everybody. Welcome to the Unscripted Wrestling Podcast. I'm your humble, gracious, and beautiful host, Daniel Hummer. I am here with uh, my aunt Sharon, no, <laughs> my brother Doug. Yo. We're taking over the show. Which we are. And uh, our good buddy Eric's here. What's up? Uh, nobody in the chat. All right. Yeah. Let's get into it. We got War Drums number two. I mean, we're not getting into it. Obviously, we're plugging some shit and doing news and stuff. But War Drums number two. Uh, basically, we on this uh, episode of the show, we will be taking an episode of Raw from back in the day and an episode of Nitro and pitting them up against each other, reviewing each one, and then at the end saying which one we like better and which one just doesn't cut the mustard. So uh, uh, I can't wait to get into all that. The episode in question is, uh, I mean, it's May 19th. 1997. Correct. Basically the anniversary if we did this yesterday. Yeah. So, uh, Doug, you want to hit him with some plugs? Sure. Uh, want me to take my buck, my uh, buck plugs out and hit him with them? Uh, <laughs> no. All right. Uh, <laughs> if it weren't disgusting, it wouldn't be me. Not uh, <laughs> anyway. All right, listen to Boxman and Smark of the Wrestling Outlet every Wednesday night, Mixer.com slash Wrestling Outlet. They can be found on all major podcast platforms. Uh, they uh, run 10 to 15, 10 20 Eastern time right after Dynamite's over. Then you catch them Saturday nights, 9.30 p.m. Eastern time, Mixer.com slash Hollywood Hangout for the Hollywood Hangout. Uh, again, found on all major podcast platforms. Listen to us Friday nights. 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time uh, for the Unscripted Wrestling Podcast. Tonight, of course, episode of War Drums. Next week, we're doing a feud retrospective on uh, on Mick Foley and Randy Orton. That big feud from 2003, 2004. Uh, so that's coming up next week. Uh, two weeks the plan is to cover Money in the Bank 2016 uh, to celebrate AJ Styles' birthday. My boy. Yeah. I mean, that is the plan right now, unless you and I are still getting pelted in the balls with paintballs. Cool. Uh, oh, you're going paintball? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a uh, work thing. Oh. Yeah. Well, Interesting. Yeah. We'll talk more about it tomorrow. Uh, I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Um, of course, listen to us tomorrow. Or tomorrow, uh, We're not sure about what time we're going to be on tomorrow yet, but usually Saturday nights around 7 p.m. Eastern time for Inscription Unlimited. Uh, tomorrow, Eric, it's your turn to pick. What the hell are we doing tomorrow? Um, we're probably doing the... Uh... We, uh, I'm finishing the uh, UFC uh, tier list for the uh, UFC champion. Okay. All right. I'll have to go into overdrive then to look for the book. Uh, and then next week, May towards Saturday, May 28th, uh, in Script and Unlimited, we're going to be counting down the top 10 worst cartoons of all time. I'm going to put a, a couple polls up uh, th- uh, tomorrow. Uh 
I'm going to tabulate some votes that I've gotten from people. I've been asking them for their top five uh, cartoons they never really liked. So we'll get that up in poll form, and then we'll count them down next week. That's uh, blogtalkradio.com slash everything unscripted. Sunday, uh, double shot of the stab cast yep. with Daniel and Mindy because uh, they were not able to do a show last week, so they're going to double up this week. Yes, sir. We're doing the movie Bloody Birthday from the 1980s, an old school slasher. And we will also be talking about uh, the new M. Night Shyamalan movie that uh, I'm probably going to watch after this. Oh, and if anyone on the couch wants to join me, they're fully willing or fully welcome to. Uh, I think Peanut will think about it. All right, and then, of course, check out our, our eBay store, DDE Collectibles. Uh, we have some uh, Hasbros up right now, some carded Hasbros. I got uh, X-Men figure up right now. I got some Ninja Turtles. Got some loose Hasbros up. Uh, Going to put more stuff up tomorrow. Uh, got a lot of bids out there for a lot of things. Uh, the piece of shit that owes us money, if you're listening to this, you better fucking pay. Because uh, you've done this uh, two weeks in a row, you know, good bastard. Um, but yeah, so check us out on eBay, collectibles, and then uh, check out our buddy Sean on YouTube, Elite Diplodoc, and Twitch, Sneaky Freddy. Yes, sir. Is that going to do it for the plugs? Yeah. Well, the well, not the episode. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, before we get into this big topic, or, well, we got big topics to get into before we get into our uh, main course here. Yeah. And uh, there's a couple of news items that have been going on. One, Eric, you really wanted to talk about, so I'm going to start the floor with you. But uh, Naomi and Sasha Banks last Monday on Raw uh, didn't like creative maybe or who who knows. Well, I mean, we, we have heard a lot of information. We'll get into it. They walked out of Raw. They are supposed to be in the main event. They walked out. WWE released a statement uh, basically saying they didn't like two of the people they had to work with. And, uh, yeah, they left. Uh, apparently, Sasha's got a lot of heat right now. Uh, what's your thoughts, Eric? Uh, we haven't heard from either one of them yet. Um Kind of. This is not the first time she did, did this. Is what? Uh, what? Two, three years ago, she did this too. She was off. She walked out. Yeah, about, and yeah, about three years ago. For six months. So, Sasha always had um, problems with creative. Um, we all know that she sometimes she's not used right. Where she didn't have long title reigns, she dropped the title to Charlotte and others. Um which is unfair, I think. I think she should have long, a long title reign. The longest one she's had was a few months. I don't know. But uh, I the think, longest one she had I, was six months, and that was when she beat Bailey at Hell in a Cell 2020 and then lost it to Bianca Belair at WrestleMania. Yeah. And I only was surprised, but but I think she she was just sticking up for her friend, and she probably got tired of it too. And they were they were probably promised a lot 
um, being uh, the women's tag team champions. They wanted to um, they wanted to um, have this, those titles mean something. They haven't meant anything for since it started. So they, and for them to be in this hip pack challenge kind of didn't make any sense because they thought they were probably going to um, defend the titles at the next pay-per-view against um, the two people that were reported that they didn't want to be in the ring with, with um, Dewdrop and uh, Mickey Ash. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be the yeah. two, right? Uh, from yeah. what I heard, uh, they were trying – because WWE, by putting out that statement, WWE was trying to get heat on them. And the two they were saying, because uh, Naomi and Sasha were trying to angle for a title defense against Dewdrop and Nikki at, at uh, Hell in a Cell. That's what they wanted to do. Right. Yeah. But the creative called for Naomi to win the six-pack challenge, and then Sasha was somehow going to get into uh, a match with Ronda at Hell in a Cell. Yep. So the two women's tag They were both going to lose. Yeah, they were both going to lose. But here's the thing, and I'm going to come at this from a couple of different ways, right? Even though I do agree, I do support, you know, Naomi and uh, Naomi and Sasha's, you know, right to walk out or whatever. Uh, yeah. You also have to look at it as, okay, you know, why did they, well, first of all, it shouldn't have been a six-pack challenge anyway. Becky and Asuka are technically fighting to be the number one contender. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So you do something and, uh, like, I mean, in my opinion, it should be a freeway in Hell in a Cell. Uh, or, or a yeah. triple threat. I shouldn't say freeway. But <laughs> they should just keep the tag champions out of it. That's what they should do. And I think yeah. that's why the ladies got mad because from what I heard, it was that they felt like the women's tag team division uh, was being disrespected and they weren't being respected as champions. I agree with that. Yep. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I, I, I agree with that, but also you put Sasha and Naomi in there because who else was left? You're not going to put Liv and Liv Morgan and Rhea Ripley in there because they're involved in their own thing right now. We'll do better then. Fucking... Pick up better talent, fucking train. I don't know what to tell them, but they have not focused on the women's tag team division like they were supposed to. Even when the Iconics, exactly. for a second, even when the Iconics uh, held the title, they only held it for like, oh, well, they held it for a long time. They had like, what, two defenses? Two or three. Two or three in like an eight month period. That's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. And just, they've never, yeah. I mean, that's probably the reason Sasha walked out the first time. I know she gave a couple different excuses, but. They didn't fucking ever give a shit about the women's tag titles. And she's a main event player. She's a one of the top stars for the females. So if you're going to have her do a spot, and Naomi's a fucking workhorse. You know something serious happened when Naomi walked. That's that's how I thought. Yep. I was, oh, she's not good. Like, because her and Natalia are like the two girls that are like fucking eat, sleep, and bleed, breathe WWE. Yeah. So I would never think that she would walk. So it had to have been something serious, and she had to have been really pissed off. Go ahead. Now, somebody said that uh, Naomi would only walk if somebody forced her to. Mm-hmm. I don't think any. Well, why, first of all, why would she walk when her husband 
It's in the bloodline. It's in the bloodline, and the bloodline kind of has all this clout. Well, it, Roman has all the clout. Uh, the bloodline's being talked about like a important faction, yeah. though. Because Roman does have backstage pull. All mm-hmm. right? That's one of the main reasons why Heyman hasn't been fired yet. Yeah. Because everybody in the back is sick of this asshole <laughs> because he's Roman. a pain in the ass. But Roman wants him on camera. Roman wants him with him. Because, you know, Heyman's got no more backstage power. I mean, he, uh, you know, Bruce Pritchard gets better blowjobs than him. So Bruce got his job. He's got uh, Heyman's job. So, like, Roman's the one that technically has, like, all this power and shit. Now, so, but, like, when, you know, Roman's cousin is Jimmy Uso and Jimmy Uso is Naomi's husband, like, Naomi doesn't have to worry about any of that shit. I mean, I did hear that her contract is coming up. Uh, yeah. They were trying to... I mean, I'm sure all renegotiations are out the fucking window by now. Yeah. I mean, they're not in Grand Rapids, which is where SmackDown is tonight. But the way I see it, and Eric and I... Well, it was mainly me that was doing all the arguing. Eric, there's this group on Facebook. Uh, I'm not going to plug them because they're assholes, but Eric loves to troll. A longtime friend of his is an admin, and Eric loves to troll him because Eric, by heart, and he comes by it honestly, is an internet troll. And usually, like, I'm sticking up for the other guys because sometimes, Eric, you can be harsh, but this time around, like, I was on your side... Because these guys were taking this shit way too seriously and jumping down Naomi's throat and jumping down Sasha's throat and defending the company. And it's just like, guys, let's wait and see what, uh, you know, what Naomi and Sasha's side is here. Because, like, I mean, you can look at it from WWE's point of view. I mean, I don't know if I can necessarily get my head that far up my ass. Uh... But, um, like, it's just, it's, it's a complex situation. And yes, Sasha is known for walking out. I understand she's done it before, but you have to understand her point of view. These titles were brought back and they were promised that the titles were going to be prominent. There has been no prominence in that women's tag team division. Exactly. And also... Naomi and Sasha were, uh, before they got thrown together as a team, they were on their way, they were in the middle of major builds for, uh, for WrestleMania. Sasha was originally going to be the one wrestling Charlotte for the SmackDown Women's yeah. title. And Naomi was involved in the thing with uh, Sonya Deville. Sasha gets hurt at a live event wrestling Charlotte, because Charlotte didn't want to drop the belt to, to Sasha at WrestleMania, so she made sure she got hurt at a live event. Right. All right, and Sasha thought she was going to, you know, uh, w- Sasha knew she wasn't going to be ready in time for the Royal Rumble. So, you know, that kind of dashed that, that, you know, that title match, you know, kind of blew that up, uh, up in smoke. 
But they made her come back for the Royal Rumble anyway because they're like, we need the star power. We need you. You know, you just will do whatever, but you're still slated to win the Royal Rumble. They got Ronda to come back. So they had that thing where Sasha got eliminated early because Sasha still was not medically cleared to be in the ring. But they forced her to come back early from injury because they said they needed her. But then they got Rousey to come back. And then they decided to just kind of kill off the whole thing with Naomi and, and Sonya. And they made Sonya behave for a few weeks. Yeah. And then, you know, finally they fired her ass. But, like, what should have been Naomi's moment at WrestleMania, I mean, it was a nice moment where the two of them won the tag titles. I understand that. But it's just like they were both, you know, thrown together so they can, uh, you know, so they can, quote, unquote, make the women's tag titles prominent again. And they just, they didn't do it. So I don't Naomi and Sasha. Well, I mean, they try. Well, you can only make. They were given the option to do it. I mean, yes, they were thrown together, but even like that team makes sense. I like those two together. I do like them together. What I'm saying is that like you can only do what your booking allows you to do. Exactly. And that was my point at the beginning of this whole thing is that they've never booked the women's tag team division to be anything. Yeah. It's like they don't want them to be successful. They never have like actual teams. They always fucking split them up. Like, and, and they've botched their own tag team division numerous times throughout. It's always had peaks and valleys. But this women's thing has never been able to get off the ground because they don't give it enough love. And I think to me, the way I read it, the way I took the story, and it could be a whole different thing. We're just coming to this as fans. We don't know the backstage shit. But it seems like that's where Sasha and Naomi were coming from. Like, hey, motherfuckers, if you're going to put us together, throw us together, give us something to fucking work with. You give us anything because they don't feel respected as champions. And I don't blame them. Now, a lot of people are saying, hey, you know, they shouldn't have walked out in the middle of a live show. Well, reports came out saying that they technically already had their bags packed before the show. And those, but they were told they were told to wait. Yeah. But when uh, Vince went straight to Gorilla, Stash is like, you know what? He's not going to come out for like another three hours. We're not doing this. Let's just get out of here. Yeah. Or she said she was getting out of here. And then it was just like, fuck it. I'm coming with you. Those same, and those same people that were talking shit are the same people that blew CM Punk for doing the same thing. So I find that funny. Yeah. And yeah. another another thing is that WWE should have just kept their mouth shut. They never released a statement when Punk left. They never released a or statement. Tony, or Tony Storm. Tony Storm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when Tony Storm left, all they said was Tony Storm has been granted her release. They didn't say why. They didn't say she walked out. Uh, which she didn't necessarily walk out. She just called the company and said, I'm not going to the show. Like, I, <laughs> I would like to be done. And they said, yeah, because Charlotte didn't like working with her anyway. Uh, they had to go up. They had to pamper Charlotte. They're like, hey, uh, Queen, is it okay that Tony Storm doesn't show up tonight and request her release? And like I said, Charlotte didn't like her anyway, so she's like, yeah, it's fine. Because, you know, you have to pamper uh, the downstairs of Charlotte to keep her happy. Uh, 
I mean, just make sure you don't hit Andrade's penis because that's where he keeps it. Uh, <laughs> but, like, and then the whole Jeff Hardy thing, like, they tried making Jeff Hardy look like the bad guy when they're the ones that fucked up. So, what that statement that they released Monday night tells me is that they fucked up, but they don't want anybody to know that they fucked up. So, they're trying to take put all the heat on Sasha and Naomi. Yeah. Yep. Because here's here's the thing. When shit like that goes down, keep your mouth shut. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I want to hear you know Sasha and Naomi's side of the story, but they will they would be pretty wise right now to not say a fucking thing until either they're released in a di- in, in a different company or uh you know they retire and write a book. Yeah, I would not say I'll, anything right now. You don't think they should do a shoot? No. Unless it's with us. What if we got an exclusive? <laughs> That'd be fire, right? Yeah. That would all be awesome. I'll say this one last thing. I think Sasha and WWE should just come to an agreement and part ways. They're not going to. It's a toxic relationship. Yeah, I know it's, it's not going to happen, but that's just my opinion. It, it's a toxic relationship, but guess what? She's got a name. She's one of the hot. She's yeah. one of the most popular female stars right now. Make a wish loves her. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Her cousin happens to be a famous uh, rapper. Yep. All right. Snoop Dogg for anybody that's not keeping score. Uh, all right. She's. A pretty damn good wrestler. She she's a pretty damn good talker. Tony she's pretty Khan, good looking. That would be the one thing that I would actually pat Tony on the back for, though, because that would cure that fucking women's division. Yeah. If Naomi and Sasha went over. Yeah. The thing uh, is, though, is I I don't know if Naomi would find work e- as easy as Sasha. I think she would. She's a name. She won the title at WrestleMania before. Sasha hasn't even done that. Right. Yeah. Uh, she beat my girl, Alexa. She's had her moments, and she's always been, I don't like, I don't know, I think she's always been, like, one of the best women there. Naomi? Yeah. Very I, I mean, she's, she's, she's a she, good hand. She's more af- athletic. But that's the thing is that, like, Sasha would get pushed to the moon and all that. Naomi would just kind of flounder, unfortunately. How do you know? Or that's what you think? Yeah, I mean, that's what I think. And it's nothing against Naomi. I happen to like Naomi. They might give her something to do besides... I'm amazing. I mean, if she went to, like, uh, if she went to a place like Impact, she would be main event, like, right? Because... Yeah, no. well, you can main event it. Actually, Impact's been pretty good lately. Impact has been very good because of uh, a gentleman by the name of Josh Alexander, who's their champion right now. Uh, he's been he's been on fire, and the matches he's had with Moose have been amazing. So, yeah, Impact's doing pretty well. Uh, and plus, you know, they have the working relationship with New Japan. They have a working relationship with the NWA. Yes. Which uh, NWA is another place Naomi could go, because yeah. you know, Naomi, Naomi happens to also be friends, by the way, with Mickey James. 
Mickey James has a lot of pull in both Impact and in NWA. Yep. And you got Chelsea Green and uh, Matt Cardona. Yeah. Uh, well, the only thing Matt Cardona, Matt Cardona pulls is himself. Uh, but, no, it's just, I mean, again, you always want to keep your booking. Like, if you're booked to do something, like, if you're advertised that you're going to be on there, it is kind of a dick move to walk out of the show. But also, like, if you do it before the show goes on the air and the company still advertises you, that, that, that's not in your stupid ass. Or their stupid ass, not yours. Mm-hmm. Yep. But they should have just kept their mouth shut. All right, let's get into our topic for today. You had something else you want to cover, right? Yeah, Eric Bischoff was going at it with CM Punk, but... Uh, we'll see that for another day. Yeah. I, I like how Eric Bischoff did call CM Punk the gr- the biggest financial flop in AEW history. That was funny. It, may, it might have had some truth to it, too. I don't know how much. Yeah. Is he gone from there already? No, he's still there. I wouldn't say like he's fighting for the world title. But, like, they don't do great ratings. I mean, nothing does anymore, but... Wrestling is... is, yeah. is uh... Like, kind of just like a forgotten art now. On TV, though. Because when you look at the, like, arenas, there's a lot of people there still. Yeah. Like, there there are still people that buy tickets for a wrestling show, but not a lot of people watch it on TV. Well, if you think about it, too, and and real quick, and then we'll get into the topic. Mondays, what are you running up against? I mean, football season, obviously, you know, Monday Night Football. But also... NCIS, which has been a hot commodity on CBS for, what, 20 years, Sharon? Almost 20 years, yeah. Okay, and they're still doing good ratings, obviously, because they've been renewed actually for their 20th season. Really? Right. And then you've got a spinoff, which is also, uh, you know, that NCIS Hawaii. Hawaii. That's a pretty good show. Yeah. So, uh, like, so that's what you're running up against on Mondays. On Tuesdays, you're running up against, uh, you know, NXT's running up against, I think, it, the show on NBC, like, FBI. FBI or something. I mean, that's getting ready to end, but still. Yeah. yeah it's been around for a while. Uh, but, like, you have, and then I think there's, like, some reality FBI. shows that run on Tuesday nights. Wednesdays is all the sh- uh, Chicago shows on NBC, right, Eric? Yep, and Survivor. All right. So that's what you're running up against on Wednesday. Fridays uh, isn't really like a big TV night because everybody likes to go out. Right. But still, you're running up against primetime TV. And by the way, shows on NBC, CBS, and ABC still do pretty good numbers. If they didn't, they wouldn't be on those yeah. uh, on those networks. Yeah, and everybody doesn't have cable anymore and all that shit, so... And that's another factor, too, is you've got most people, like, you have us who are just watching Netflix or uh, porn. Well, that's what I do. What's <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> the third time Sharon's rolled her eyes at me today? Uh, 
but no. So like it's it's a lost art form on TV because everybody would just rather wait for it to come out on either like on demand or on uh, Peacock or whatever. Yeah. Or they'll just watch the fucking yeah. highlights on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Why sit through a three-hour show when you can watch a, fi- a bunch of five-minute videos on YouTube the next day? Yeah, that's how a lot of people are. Yeah. I only watch one wrestling show a week, and you guys know what it is, so. <laughs> Lucha Underground? I was going to say, wow, when you're wrestling. No, that's what I'll be watching when it comes back on here. Oh, I know you will. All right, can we, we get into it? Or? I got no. the hot seat in the coin. Yeah. What do you got, Eric? We're already breaching a half hour, man. No, go ahead. No, I, I'll, I'll ask Doug tomorrow. <laughs> no, you can ask him now. What's up? No, nah, I was asking what, what was he talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I just, I just uh, spout words off just to hear myself talk. We know. Oh, All okay. right, let's, let's get into it. The wardrobes. Uh, May 19th, 1997, Raw's War takes place in Mobile, Alabama, the Mobile Civic Center, whereas uh, Nitro is somewhere else. <laughs> it's in Asheville, North Carolina, at the Civic Center. Flair country. Yep. Uh, Raw, I mean, we're not going to, like, bounce directly back and forth, but we'll bounce around because uh, Raw is uh, bigger. It's a longer episode this time. Right, uh, which had to do with the NBA playoffs on TNT. Because back in the day, uh, Ted Turner also owned uh, the Atlanta. He still owned the Atlanta Hawks at this time. Because, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day, Ted Turner, you know, still he owned basically just about everything. Everything had Ted Turner's yep. name on it. I mean uh, – Jane Fonda, when she was married to him, she even had a tattoo on her ass that said property at Ted Turner. Really? Again, just talking on my ass. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me because, like I said, his name was on just about everything. Yeah. His name was on Fred Flintstone's ass for a while. Really? Well, he did own a hand of He owned a video I did. Did he really? Mm-hmm. Well, he owned everything, huh? Yeah, he bought it uh, early 90s because he saw that uh, cartoons were actually the way he saw it was cartoons were a good lead-in for wrestling. Yeah. So, and he was right because I watched the Flintstones so before. That's how he Doug's dumbass. <laughs> hey! <laughs> so I mean, it's true. Now we got fucking 15 podcasts. Yeah. Thanks, Ted. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he figured the Flintstones and Captain Planet were the perfect lead-in for NWA Power Hour. Wasn't wrong. Uh, so this Raw starts out with, uh, well, actually, give a little background between, uh, this Raw, where are we at on, uh, May, May 19th? Well, okay. like, what, uh, any pay-per-views? What are we coming off of for Raw? All right, so we're eight days removed from uh, Cold Day in Hell, which is when Undertaker defended and defeated, or defended the WWF title and defeated Stone Cold Steve Austin. And we're kind of at this, we're still at the Heart Foundation Stone Cold Steve Austin war. And now Shawn Michaels, he's cleared, he's going to come back. 
But Michaels and Austin really don't want to team with each other to battle the Hart Foundation, but they they want to beat the shit out of the Hart Foundation. Right. So we got that going on. We also have Farouk is getting geared up for a uh, title uh, title shot against The Undertaker at King of the Ring, and they're doing this whole storyline about how there had never been a black WWF champion. And Ahmed Johnson wanted the shot, but Farouk beat Ahmed, or or I don't know if he beat him or not, but he uh, he won, he got the shot over him, and it was a whole like, you know, if they can get away with this back in the day. It was a whole race thing. Yeah, I mean that, that that's what the nation's gimmick was at first. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, Rock took over and kind of got away from that. But uh, that's what it was. And uh, it shows in in this episode, especially in, like, Ahmed's promo, like, a lot of shit they were saying. Yeah, which, uh, I mean, you had to really listen to it in order to understand it. Yeah, but... uh, Yeah. Ahmed was pretty cool here. But uh, let's start out the show. We start out with Stone Cold and uh, Shawn Michaels talking shit to each other and talking about how uh, next week, there's a tag team match, right? Well, Owen laid down the challenge for him and Bulldog to defend the titles against Michaels and Austin. And Michael said, I'll go get a partner, but it ain't going to be this asshole. And then Austin said the same thing. <laughs> well, he called Michaels a piece yep. of right. Yeah. They were talking. I mean, this was, I thought this was a really good open opening segment. I thought it was really funny. And I thought Shaw Michaels was not that good of a promo back then. He oozed charisma, and I know he was, he's your boy, Eric, but he just comes across as such a dick. I know. Well, he oozed yeah, charisma, he but also at this time, he also oozed Soma. Yeah, I think he – You can, to me, I could kind of tell he was on something. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was still amazing in the ropes and shit, but he, he seemed a little off-kilter here. And uh, yeah. Steve Austin. Was a fucking delight back then. He was hilarious. Oh my god! He made the show throughout the night. Like when he was looking for a tag team partner. Like when he went up to Sable and said, "I gotta, I need a partner. You wanna be, you wanna be it or not?" And Sable's, you know, holding the melons, and she's just like, "Really?" And then she's like, "Will you close the door?" And then he starts to close the door. He opens it up. He goes, "What'd you say?" She goes, "Close the door." He goes, "Well, you don't have to yell, Jesus Christ." <laughs> <laughs> It was very funny. Yeah, Austin. Austin was hilarious. He was. I mean, he yeah. he still is. Like, if you watch the Broken Skull sessions, which some are better than others, he can still get you laughing. Yeah, for sure. This was one hundred percent. It was a lot of fun, and I thought it was a really good opening segment. Yeah. And uh, you know, and now nowadays we're kind of tired of this on Raw, right? We're, we're kind of sick of it. Yeah, the opening always, segment. Always just, having to open with a segment, not a match. Right. And it takes too long. And But back then, they really had it on lock. And they were usually entertaining segments that they started with. Well, because back in the Attitude Era, you were usually starting with Austin. And then when Austin wasn't there, you would usually start with Rock. Or you would start, DX yep. would come out and spout something. Well, Rock's not there yet. But, uh, over on the other channel, uh, we start out with Ric Flair, your boy, Doug. And then uh, Six comes out and talks a little shit. Uh, Six, known as X-Pac. Yeah. 
he talked a little shit because he was a little shit. I love Sean Walton. <laughs> I, I, I do too. Like he, he was so good. The problem was he was such a fucking dick that like his attitude just kind of you know overtook ability in the ring. Yeah, it yep. definitely did. Uh, but was he really a backstage dick? I mean, he was in the clique. I guess they were all dicks. Well, I think the thing is, is that, like, because even, like, it's been a, a minute, uh, admitted before, but now it's, uh, like, now everybody, everybody's cool. But Bish, uh, Hall and Nash had an ironclad contract back then. So they could do shit, especially shit they're not supposed to, but they couldn't get in trouble. Yeah. So Bischoff has to punish somebody. What are you going to do? Well, you're going to punish their friend. All right? Like uh, like when Waltman got fired in 98. It was He got fired because Hall and Nash pissed Bischoff off. So Bischoff's like, all right, you guys want to piss me off? I can't fire you, but I could fire your buddy who's still hurt. We can't use him right now anyway, so he's we're getting him the fuck out of here. Yeah. When they got rid of Six, it was stupid, but I'm glad they did it because he came. His probably best work yeah. was his X-Pac. Oh, yeah, exactly. And then, of yep. course, you know, yeah. You know, Nash got back at Bischoff for firing Xbox six months later by taking the book and really fucking the company up. He's like, I'll show you. Yeah. Goldberg's the hottest thing in the business. Let's fucking finger poke. Yeah. Uh, this was this was an all right segment. I don't really think it stacks up to the other one. No. I like Six and Rick. No. Though, and, uh. Yeah, I mean, it was what it was. It really oh, was. and when you have Gene Okerlund holding the microphone and Gene Okerlund doesn't give a shit yeah. uh, anymore. I love Gene in WCW. You hate him. I love him. I love that he gave no shits. My, son, I love my, my favorite WCW. line is like Gene Okerlund in 2000 when Sean O'Hare was talking shit. What do you say? Blow it out your ass, O'Hare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, be dying. I love Gene. Uh, R.I.P. Rest in peace. The the legend. Now let's talk about the opening match for Nitro. We have a a World Television Championship match between uh, Stephen Regal and Prince Ikea. That was the opener. Which was like one of the main feuds, you know, for a couple months. Uh, It really feels weird to say that. Well, you know, Prince IAK, he was getting a couple months pushed. They realized it wasn't working, so they got the title off him, put it on Dragon, and then Regal got it back. Because Regal, if you really look at the history of the WCW television title, he is probably one of the greatest TV champions of all time. Yeah. That's some of his best work. Yeah. Well, because he can wrestle. And he made guys look good. Like, he made IAK look pretty good. Yeah, IAK sucked. I wasn't a huge fan. Not at all. Yeah. Uh, it was okay. It's hard to rate any of these, especially the Nitro matches, because it was such a short episode. Yeah. And every match was like five yeah. minutes. Uh, so I, I don't know if I would. Uh, I think I'd give it a five. I would too, because it wasn't. Yeah, I'd give it a five. 
three, it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't great. It was in the middle. Yeah, for a three-minute match, it yeah. was fun. Uh, to the other channel, they open up with uh, Crush and the Nation of Domination against Hunter Hearst Helmsley with China in a King of the Ring quarterfinal match. What do we think, boys? It was supposed to be Vader, but Vader's nose was still on the side of his head. So uh, they're like, and so they were giving Helmsley another shot to qualify because he had lost by DQ to Ahmed Johnson the week before, but they came up with a bullshit excuse. Gerald Briscoe was like, during the pre-match instruction, uh, Mr. Helmsley, Helmsley was not told that he could be disqualified if China interfered. And, like, uh, like, you guys talk about that on TV all the time. I'm, well, I mean, nowadays, the referees look the other way, so a guy can get hit in the balls. Right. Uh, Magic, okay. Or, you know, or they put both contacts in the same eye so they can't see it. Right. <laughs> yeah, referees suck. Yeah. So, like, the whole thing. I mean, in this match, it was a heel versus heel match. So, there was no heat. Nobody gave a, nobody gave a rat ass. Yeah, this was one of the weaker parts of the card. I thought it was like a three. I'd say two and a half. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was going to give it a three. All right. Hunter was still green in the ring. Yeah, it was very green. And Crush was never that good. He thought he was good, though. But that's what happens, though, when you're in a backstage group with The Undertaker. You think you're better than what you actually are. And yeah. uh, don't get me wrong. like I, yeah. I love Brian Adams. I love Crush. But he just – he wasn't worth what he thought he was. And he was the white guy in the black group that was racist against white guys, apparently. Yeah. That was, like, the gimmick, right? And he's a white guy in the group. Well, I mean, his gimmick was he's a – he was a jailbird. Yeah, but st- that makes it even like way worse. Yeah. <laughs> Looking back at it, that makes it worse and kind yeah. of fucked up. Uh, so. Yeah, it didn't make sense that he was in the group. <laughs> yeah, and, and if if that's why that because he was uh, supposed to be a jailbird, then uh, you know Vince is even more out of touch than we ever thought he was. Well, I mean, I guess he always was, but I mean, he was in prison most of 1995. Into 1995. In real life? Yes. That's fine, but you don't take that and say, oh, we got to put him with that. That's fucked. We got to put him with, we with don't, black yeah, guys. Yeah. Because... That's a very bad way of thinking. Well, Clarence Mason originally was his manager because that was his attorney. I mean, that's that's all right. But, uh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's very, uh, very kind of messed up. I mean, the only reason why Clarence Mason got hired in the first place is because Vince McMahon thought he was Jackie Cochran. It just doesn't age well. Uh, but let's go on to the next match. Yeah, please, before I say anything else. Yeah. <laughs> Intercontinental champion Owen Hart, and this is for the title. No, non-title. This is for the non-title. <laughs> uh, he's with Davey Boy and Jimmy against Bob Holly. By the way, I've been own. Sparky plug. Which, which, by the way, this was, I think this was uh, like one of only like five appearances Bob Holly made on Raw that entire year because he was mainly just working the shotgun Saturday night tapings. 
Yeah. He wasn't brought getting... him on because it was his hometown. Yeah. <laughs> he actually talked about this in his book. They said it, uh, they called him because he wasn't going to come into work, but they called him and said, hey, look, we're in Alabama. You're from Alabama. Uh, why don't you come in and we'll, we'll do something with you? And he goes, well, what are you going to have me do? And they're like, well, you're going to beat somebody. So they came in, or so he came in, and he wrestled Owen, he beat Owen. Because him and Owen were friends. Right. So he he was okay with that. He bitched about everything else, but he was okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, good for, uh, good for Bob, though, you know? Yeah. It was a big moment for him. When they were interviewing people from uh, from Alabama, saying, "Well, we know you're, you're from Alabama, so you're going to beat Owen Hart tonight." And then Jerry Lawler interviewed those other two guys. Yeah. And then uh, Jr. just looked at him and said, "You know you're an idiot." Yeah. That was funny. <laughs> uh, I thought this match was one of the better ones on the card. Honestly, I, I'd give this a six, six and a half. I would, I would say six too, just because like both guys could work. Yeah, if they were allowed to. All day. They very much could. I'll give it a seven. Well, there you go. All right. Uh, when they come back from commercial, we see Shawn Michaels standing backstage with Ken Shamrock. How green on a promo was Ken back then? Oh, my God. That was hard to watch. But he's not used to. I mean, he's used to doing interviews after like fights and shit. But back then, it wasn't really about charisma. It was yeah. just about beat. It was you had to just beat the shit out of beat the shit out of a guy. Yeah. Like you weren't. Yeah. Gonna, well, because back in '97, Dana White didn't own UFC yet, right? They didn't. He didn't come in until 2000 or something like that, right? Yeah, I think so. 2003. Right, because that's when they started numbering the pay-per-views, correct? Yes. Yeah. Well, no, I think they numbered it. Yeah, yeah, I think think you're right. Yeah, because UFC 1 was like in 2002, 2003. Yeah, some shit like that. They used to name every pay-per-view. But then they started numbering. Yeah. It's probably a lot easier. Uh... Yeah, Ken looked, uh, I mean, he's very green on the mic. He never was really that great on the mic, but that's okay. Uh, he's a badass dude. I mean, he can beat the shit out of you. He does. <laughs> now, the next segment is one of the greatest segments of all time. Well, not one of the greatest, but a classic Raw segment, and it's the first part of the JR sit-down interview. Yeah, I think it's either the first or second with, with it Mankind. It is? Yeah. Okay. So... This was kind of like a deep dive, because this is actually what helped introduce the Dude Love character. Not this particular part, but we would get to that. Yeah. I thought it was awesome. What do you think of this, Eric? I liked it. I, I liked the, how they got into the backstory of mankind, I mean, McFoley. And it's... uh bringing it up. They started from when he was a kid and worked their way up. It's like a biography on TV. Yeah. 
Each it week was, with a chapter. Yeah, and it was a really good it was a good story there. And you can tell I mean just him calling him Jimmy and fucking the the way he was like yelling and getting really passionate and talking about the worm and talking about uh getting kicked in the lip and bleeding and he's like, I was loving it. It's just like he was really good at being a psycho. And and he was like talking about liking pain before the Survivor series thing. You know? Yeah. yeah. So that's how that's how cool this is. And it was really cutting edge and a good promo. And it, it somehow made him scary, but also like uh like brought a, redeemed started him. the face turn. Yeah, redeemed him a little bit and made him like in a positive light, but also like a little creepy. So I thought it, it was unique and different. Every time they've tried it since, it's been just okay. This is probably the best time they've ever done it. And I, I thought it worked yeah. extremely well. And I think Jim Ross is the perfect guy to do it. Oh, yeah, because, well, first of all, JR is the one that hired Mick Foley. Yes. Yeah, and they're good friends, so. Yeah. Well, that's why, like, when JR hired Mick Foley, he was looking for somebody to wrestle The Undertaker. But he didn't want to use yeah. Cactus Jack because Cactus Jack was, in his words, too one-dimensional. Yeah. So they asked Mick to come up with a different – well, they came up with a different idea for a character, and they had the drawing of it, and they were going to call him something else. And man's like, Mick's like, you know, can I be called this? You know, mankind. I'm trying to say it was Mason something. From what I remember, like Mason Manhunter or something. Mason the Terrible or something like that, right? Yeah. Instead of Jason the Terrible, it was like Mason. Yes. Or or Mason the Mutilator. Yes, the Mutilator. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember him telling that on the Legends Roundtable. Yeah. Yeah, they were going to call him the Mutilator. And he's like, how about Mankind? Yeah. I mean, it worked. It worked. Yeah. All right, let's go back to the other channel, and uh, let's go to a classic main event anywhere in the country, uh, Chono versus Squire David Taylor. This match went about two minutes and 59 seconds, and it sucked. Uh, Chono looked okay, but I mean, and then after, of course, uh, Sonny Ono comes out and talks a little shit, one of the greatest managers of all time. He couldn't even manage a beach bar. I thought you liked him. No, Doug hates him. I think he's funny. I liked him because he was he good friends with Eric Yeah, Sonny Blowhose. Aren't you friends with him on Facebook? We don't need to talk about that. He's fucking oh. Two-Face. Well, we Did you to... ask him for a cartoon list, too? No. <laughs> Because uh, I don't, uh, I don't message him on Facebook. <laughs> I figured, like, once I started talking shit about him on the bit, on the podcast, it would be a bad idea to ask him to shit on. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, but I mean, we're just giving our opinion. You know, he should still yeah. come on, <laughs> Mister Ono. I'm just I like Ono. I, I mean, you call him a discount Fuji. No, I call him a discount Jimmy Hart. Yeah, yeah. Uh. I like him better than Jimmy Hart. I mean, he was, he I, mean was, I hate him both. So. Yeah, I hate him both. Uh, this match was okay. It was like a two. Two out of ten. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll give it a one. 
funny is the the Brit the British style and the Japanese style like they usually can mesh. Dave Taylor just wasn't good. No, he really wasn't. Didn't he team up with yeah, that when Regal once? I like Dave Taylor when he went to the WWE. Yeah, when he when he when he, when he teamed with Regal, they were really good. Yeah. Yeah. With Squire David Taylor. Yeah. He was actually going to be like they originally tried to bring Drew McIntyre up in 2007, and he was going to be uh, he was going to be Dave Taylor's partner. That wouldn't work. Wow. They did it for two weeks, and then they realized it didn't work. So they took McIntyre. They took McIntyre off a of TV, and they fired Taylor. They sent McIntyre back down to uh, I think FCW. Yeah, because FCW was just starting. FCW. Yeah. Yeah. W? And then they fired McIntyre years later. <laughs> George W. Alrighty. Now, over on Raw, we got the classic Leaf Cassidy versus Scott Taylor. Uh, after Lawler's talking shit about ECW, saying RVD's the man and all that shit. But uh, Cassidy and Taylor, what did we think? I thought it was a good I mean, they're saying it was Scott Taylor's debut, even though he'd been jobbing for the company for six years. And Taylor got the W. Old too hottie. Yeah. He... It was a good match. It was just unfortunately, Leaf Cassidy was brought in to do job or was or Leaf Cassidy was there. He was doing all the jobs for the new baby faces, but then like he started losing his mind. Yeah. I when he even else now? I give it a three and a half. I give it a five. I give it a three. That was Al Snow, right? AKA yeah. Al Snow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Came, when did he become Al Snow? Uh, he went to ECW later in the year and became Al, and became Al Snow. When did he get head? Uh, later in the year. Trying to get it every night. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Over on WCW, we got Michael Wall Street and Scotty Riggs. The return of Nick Patrick as a full-time referee. Yeah, after he got reinstated twice. Well, they said it twice. Yeah. Uh, it was okay. I actually did buy this match compared to the other one. It was good until they fucked up the sunset flip. Yeah, that was a buy. Cause, well, no, the sunset flip off the top rope was really good. But then Wall Street trying to fucking move over to the ropes Riggs, I don't think, knew what the hell he was doing because Wall Street's trying to move over to the ropes, but you also have to drag, you know, Riggs with you because Riggs isn't helping move. Yeah. So when you have, you know, two hands on your legs and those two hands belong to a guy that's 220-something pounds and he's not moving cooperatively, it's kind of hard for you to pull off the spot you're supposed to pull off. Which I don't know why they didn't just, why Wall Street didn't just look at him and say, uh, dude, I have to get over the ropes. Or like, if that was like the rehearsed finish, why Riggs didn't listen. Mm-hmm. But yeah. he, Riggs had a big head for a while. Cause when he first came into the company, when he teamed with, 
uh, Bagwell, they were they got the ride with Lex Luger and Sting all the time. It's top shit. They got the rub. Yeah. And then <laughs> they realized that Scotty Riggs was, uh, you know, wasn't going to be the star. It was going to. Well, Bagwell really wasn't a star either, but. So they split them up. Bagwell went to the NWO, and Riggs just kind of floundered. Mm-hmm. Unless he had to wrestle Mike Enos or something like that. I forgot they were tweeting, but they were both, they were a tag team. Well, yeah. What would we rate this match? Five. A two. Oh, no. Yes. Four. I give it a five. All right. Over on Raw, our number two. We're in the war zone. Yeah, and we get McMahon on commentary. <sighs> yeah, he joins the booth. He joins the booth. And I then, actually didn't mind him on, on commentary. Oh, he sucked. <laughs> I like when Tillman joined the, the table and he called them boss man. Because he was always breaking kayfabe. Yeah. Or big man or something like that. Yeah. Well, and that's what your, uh, that's what the loose cannon gimmick was. And he was even like that in WCW when, uh, uh, I respect you, Booker Man. Yeah. To Kevin Sullivan. Because he was playing, he was playing a gimmick. He was living the gimmick. Mm-hmm. He was really cutting yep. edge and revolutionary. Uh, Brian Pillman was awesome. Yeah. That's in peace to him too. For sure. For sure, rest in peace. All right. We get the famous, the infamous segment. This is another big one, along with the Mankind shit. This is more infamous than, like, classic, though. And this is Bret Hart uh, in the ring uh, saying that he wants to wrestle Sean at the King of the Ring. And if he doesn't beat him in 10 minutes, he's done wrestling in uh, America. And uh, Sean shows up on the Titantron says that his boys can be at ringside, but they got to be handcuffed to a pole. And he started making fun of him about how he can't last 10 minutes in anything. And then he also <laughs> threw a little jab in that said, I know you've been having some sunny days, but still, which is kind of like a reference to, Hey, you're fucking sunny. And, uh, Brett didn't appreciate this in real life. Right. Doug? Well, yeah, because his, he had his wife, Julie called him right after said, cause she was watching the show. Yeah. And she's just like, what did he mean? And, you know, they said it was. And here's, here's the thing. And, uh, I mean, Sonny's in jail anyway, so she can't hear this. Uh, but, like, for, ye- for years, or from like, you know, mid 95 to sometime in 97. Sonny and Shawn Michaels were having an affair. Yeah, that's that's the ironic okay. part. Well, and, and that's yep. also the thing too is that Sean found out that Sonny was fucking around on him. Yeah. Okay. Now it's okay for him to be to cheat on his wife. Yeah. No, it's okay for her to cheat on Chris Candido with him. Yeah. But if you cheat on Sean with somebody else, oh my god. Yeah. Now. Um, <laughs> Because he was trying to add heat, he said it was Brett. It was the wrong member of the Heart Foundation. Who was it? Davey. 
She was fucking the bulldog? Oh, that's what she said. <laughs> that's why they had to redo the uh, finish at the British pay-per-view they did later in, on in the year. Really? Well, yeah, because she finally admitted to Sean. She goes, oh, yeah, just so you know, uh, Davey's been putting it in me. So he went to Vince and he said, I'm not putting this asshole over, even if it is his own his home country. Like, he's got he's got to put me over because he's fucking my woman. Uh, and, I almost didn't like that. And it's just like, don't you mean he's fucking Candido's woman, who you also happen to be fucking? Uh, <laughs> like, it was just all... So they were all playing hide and sausage? Oh, my God. They were passing her around like a joint at a Grateful Dead concert. Someone's got a chunk of work. No, no, that was, yeah, that's, uh, I'm just trying to figure out where you came up with that. Uh, I thought it was way too good to get nothing. It was very good. Uh, we're not that sophisticated for this show. Nice job, Daniel. Thank you. Uh, Goldust and Rockabilly. This was really good till the end. And what did you think about? What do you think about Goldust bringing his daughter up? I thought it was could the only it, thing. It, it, the only yeah. thing is, is that you knew that... Well, first of all, you can't really rehearse anything with a three-year-old. I mean, you try it every week when you try to get me uh, to do shit. You know, when we try to prep for the show. Was she supposed to say Goldust? I, <laughs> think, she, I think she was, but she's three. <laughs> she started running around. <laughs> she started running around like you're in front of like... You know, ten, fifteen thousand people or whatever. Yeah, it might work when there's only twenty people around. You know, you're you're rehearsing it, but a live crowd and it's just like she's got a three year olds don't have you know long attention spans. Nope. It was adorable. It was adorable though. It didn't even matter. She's she's an adorable little girl. Yeah, she was. I mean, she's 18 now, right? She's older than me. She's three years older than you. She's actually, I don't know if she's married now or not. 28. Yeah. But it gave Goldust some some relatability. And it sucks that his life kind of started falling apart after this. Because you never wish that on anybody. Uh Especially for the poor little girl because him and Terry really started getting into it and shit. And that sucks. But uh, he, th- this was adorable and it was kind of nice and it showed him some relatability. I don't think the character really needed it, but it was nice. Yeah, yeah I, I like that. The only thing I didn't like about this match after is the fact that he got disqualified for hitting Honky with the guitar and he was wrestling <laughs> Rocket Billy. Exactly. That was stupid. That was stupid. It was funny how he was playing it after it was smashed, though. Yeah. I like that part. For that, I give it. I give the match a three. The referee is stupid. Yeah, the referee then got fired and went to WCW like six months later. Didn't everybody? All right. Oh, he did? Yeah. That's Billy Silverman. He's a former W. He's mostly known for WCW. All right, so over on the other channel, we have a segment where Gene Okerlund brings out Ric Flair and uh, my favorite NASCAR driver of all time, Mark Martin. And uh, they're doing this big giveaway and all this shit. I don't fucking... They're going to give away a car. Uh, Flair drops a racing metaphor. 
And uh, then he said he's going to beat up six. So that's what that was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it really wasn't anything. And then we got a, a little bit of clips from the DDP Savage shit, which is always cool. Yep. Playing Blue the night before. Yeah, it was very cool. And neither were on the show. No. Oh, you only have an hour. All right. Yeah, no, no, I'm just saying that neither were on the show. What did you think of the Steiners versus Jeff Jarrett and Steve McMichael, Dougie? This one went 336. I liked it. I, I feel like you should have given that, like, more time. Because what's funny is that as bad as Mongo is, he can work the Steiner, uh, you know, you know, roughhouse, high-impact style. Yeah. And yeah. I love what the Steiners do when Scott tags Rick in for the first time and gets him in the corner and kind of, you know, rubs his uh, knuckles on his forehead and then Rick starts barking. Uh, we got to do that. You got to do that to me, uh when we get ready to play paintball in a couple of weeks and then I'll just run off and start barking and we'll probably get shot. But. <laughs> Cause uh, I mean, you and I kind of do uh, resemble uh, Rick and Scott Steiner a little bit. I guess so. I don't know which one's which I'd say you're Scott. You're more dog like no offense. Rick was the dog. Oh, well, I'm more pump like. Uh, yeah, you're more the you're more the sex symbol. Thank you. <laughs> I thought this was decent. Uh, Jeff Jarrett wasn't really that good back then. He dressed like a male stripper, and Deborah was a very annoying woman. But Steve McMichael's hilarious, and Kevin Green coming out and delivering an awkward chair shot was cool. I give this one a six out of ten. Yeah, I would say I would I'll say. Six, six and a half. Uh, well, he hit uh, Green, hit Mongo with his own Halliburton. The Halliburton briefcase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, he did. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the Ahmed Johnson stuff segment over on the other channel, we already kind of talked about it. Uh, but Johnson was cool. And, uh, Man is cool as Big Dick Johnson. I think he's cooler. Do you know Big Dick Johnson is, goes on Big Brother sometimes? And he's the fat dude that, like, uh, he was, like, the one that was fucking with Brett in season 20. And oh, wait a minute. He's the one that runs around in yeah. costume. With the glasses he's, and shit. Yeah, the he grandma? plays the annoying grandmother. No, yeah. Chris, Chris Joseph or whatever the hell his name is, that's... Yeah, that's him. That's the, He's the one that's on Big Brother. That He, he was the grandma the one time when he was fucking with Brett. And uh, he, oh, like, wow. he, he's like that fat dude with glasses. That that's Big Dick Johnson. Holy shit! Yeah, I, no. I heard. I heard, I was listening to Bruce Pritchard talking about it, and he said it. He's like, yeah, that dude that he, he actually goes on Big Brother, and, he, and I was like, oh shit, that is him. But uh, that's funny. Yeah. So Big Dick. Speaking of Big Brother. Mhm. It's coming back. Big to be coming on in a month. Yep, one month. We'll be coming on in a month, and we will be talking about it. Yep. In some way or another. You're going to watch it with us, right, Doug? Yeah. I'll definitely watch it. I kind of stopped binging. I'm watching it. I ran out of seasons almost. But uh, I'm definitely going to watch it. I got a show for you to watch, but I'll tell you tomorrow. Okay. 
Uh, Stone Cold tries to get Whippleman. Uh, Brooklyn Brawler offers his services instead, and Austin uh, shows him what he thinks of that when he throws him into shit and beats him up. And then he bullies Whippleman for a few minutes. I think Austin would have been better off with Sable as his partner. And then... Uh, <laughs> I think was tougher than Harvey Whippleman. And then in the next commercial, Sonny squirts on Jim Cornette. Uh, and then <laughs> and there was supposed to be a Godwin match, but it got cut. <laughs> so, I don't even know why they mentioned that. Yeah, they're like, oh yeah, it's gonna happen. It's, well, here's here's the thing. Back in the days, you know how Nitro always used to have the overruns and shit. Yeah. Like especially during the Monday Night Wars, like they would cut Raw like right off at ten o'clock. Like. It would be like, all right, you know, you're done because Nitro would always, or Raw would always, uh, the show Stilk Stockings uh, would be on like after Raw. So they'd have that on. And that was like one of USA's like top shows. So, you know, they had to air it. Yeah. And yeah. then, but then in uh, 97, they started a new show called La Femme Nikita, which was another big. USA was putting a lot of stock in. Yeah. So at 10 o'clock, no matter what, Raw had to be off the air. So they couldn't overrun like WCW. WCW could go 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes over, you know, whatever. But at 10 o'clock, Raw had to be done. Which is why the week before, which pissed Sean off, Brett was talking too much at the end in his promo. He went over, so no one saw the sweet chin music. Right, exactly. Uh, All right, for Rook versus Rocky Maivia, this isn't their biggest encounter. No. It's probably uh, the next year or two. I don't remember. But uh, this was pretty cool. I mean, this is a green Rocky with a bland baby face character. And Farouk's kind of the one that's getting the push at the moment. Uh, what'd you think? Yep. I thought it was really good. I do think that, you know, they would obviously have better matches and Rocky would get better as time goes on. I mean, don't forget, this was right after his failed run as Intercontinental Champion. Mm-hmm. But I think also what he, they needed him to do, because they were already starting to plant the seeds of a heel turn. Because he would be asked in interviews, like, do you think you're getting pushed too hard too soon? Which you're not, like, you're not supposed to say that on fucking camera. But it's just like, because fans were really turning on him. But no, I thought it was a good match. I'd give it a five. I'll give it a six. I'll give it a six, too. I'll agree with he nasty. He nasty. All right. Main event time. For uh, Nitro, uh, technically the last match is six and Flair. That never really gets going. Uh, it's kind no, of- it was like thirty seconds, and then they NWO kind of comes out. Beat the shit out of Flair. Typical NWO shit. Mm-hmm. The only shitty thing about this is I'm kind of interested to see a match between Six and Ric Flair. Yeah. So it sucks we didn't really get yeah. that because that'd be a fun kind of combination of styles. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it sucks that it's like. The WCW-nisms kind of got uh, took over there. But the real main event 
uh, is Eric Bischoff coming out, cutting a promo to talk a whole bunch of shit about the Stinger. And then the Stinger comes out under the ring and gives him a Scorpion death drop. Yeah, which... That's part of the show. This was amazing. And that's uh, why I picked this episode. I really loved Eric Bischoff back then because he was such a fucking piece of shit heel. He's such a squirmy douchebag and you hate him. Everybody hates him. And there's nothing... I mean, Vince stole his character. And I know Vince did it in a different way and I know... I guess technically he didn't, but Bischoff did it first. Bischoff did the heel boss first. And it was a, kind of a different type thing because he was like in the NWO and all that. But Bischoff was a damn good heel, and he got heat. And I think people came to see him get his ass kicked. So he did his job. And I love was that. Kick his ass. And you know what's funny, too, is that, like, you know, Bischoff would always, like, do, like, the legal loophole. Or not even legal loopholes. He would take titles away from guys. Like, if, like, in the beginning months of his heel turn, like, Hall and Nash lost the tag titles twice. But because they're NWO guys, Bischoff gave them the belts back. Yeah. And, but like, you know, when McMahon started the whole heel turn thing and the Mr. McMahon character, Vince never took a title away from somebody. Well, he stripped Austin. That's no call. No, he didn't strip him. He, he put him in a match where he could lose it. Oh yeah, Bischoff just oh, saying, yeah, okay. Bischoff would come up with some bullshit excuse and be like, eh, "No, you're not the champion. These guys are. Yeah, they blow better." So that's a good character though to get heat on you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if we could give, I mean, I'm not even going to rate the six and Ric Flair thing because that wasn't anything. Uh, if we could rate segments, the segments are ten out of ten. I I would agree with that. It was the yeah. Best. I agree. It was the best segment. Like, it's what made the show. Now let's go to the other channel and finish off there. Uh, Vince McMahon introduces The Undertaker. Undertaker talks about Farouk. He says he's not white. He's not black. He's the Reaper of Souls, right? Or something like that. That It was very cringy. This whole thing's kind of cringy. It doesn't age that well, but it, I mean, it's 1997. You got to, I guess we got to move on. Uh, and then Paul Bear comes out, says he has a big surprise, which we know who that surprise is. Yeah. Which uh, next month when we do the war drums, which we'll probably do it either a pre-record like the week of the anniversary, or we'll do it on like June, on June 24th or whatever. I haven't figured out the date yet because you and I are going to be out of town the weekend yeah. that uh, this anniversary falls on. Yeah. But we're going to be doing the June 30th episodes of Raw and Nitro because those are big episodes. Nitro because of a, a couple big debuts and Raw because we're finally going to find out from Paul Bear what the secret is. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. But then we go to Stone Cold versus Jim Neidhart. By the way, the secrets came. Yeah. But uh, Stone Cold and Jim Neidhart. Uh, this is technically Neidhart's first match on Raw since December 1994. If you don't count the Who thing that he did for 
a few days. I don't even think he was on Raw at all. I think I think who wrestled that Raw was. Did he? I think so. Uh, but Austin fights with him. The Pillman's there. That's when Pillman calls uh, what's his name, the big man. This doesn't last very long. And then the Hart Foundation. I don't know how I missed out. it. Huh? I mean, somehow I missed this match. The main event? I mean, it was only like two minutes. Yeah. It, it was barely even a match. It was kind of like six and red. And then... Okay. Uh, and then, you know, Michaels comes I out. Michael, sleep, I think. Michaels and Austin start helping each other. They clean out the house, and then they start getting into it, have a pull apart, and fucking Austin punches him in the head. And, uh... That's how they close out Raw. Because then that's when they find out that Gorilla Monsoon said, neither one of you need to find a partner. You're going to be partners with each other. Yes. And it was when, and fucking, and Steve Austin said, the hell I am! <laughs> like, Bullshit! Which if I actually, if I actually, you know, was thinking correctly, which is kind of a stretch, uh, I would have done... We would have done uh, the May 26th episode of Raw next week because that's Austin and HBK versus Owen and Bulldog. Absolutely. But this is a lot of fun. Let's give our final thoughts, our ratings, and which show is better. Eric, you go first. I thought both shows were solid. That's, um, that's, I mean, Nitro was only an hour, so it, it wouldn't. It was what it was for an hour. I give that a six out of ten. And Raw was pretty good. Um, I give that a seven out of ten. Obviously, I think Raw was better this this time around. All right. Uh, I thought both shows were really good. I actually enjoyed both shows a lot. And it's not, I mean, there was a lot of filler in both shows, but there was big moments in both, too. I do think Nitro had a better closing than Raw. Yeah. And that segment yeah. beats the shit out of Michaels and Austin fighting for the 15th time. So I thought that was a great way to close the show. However, I am going to have to go six for uh, Nitro as well, just because that was one of the only big things. And uh, everything else just really didn't mean too much. Uh, and Raw, I'd have to go eight just because of the Mankind thing and the Sunny Day. There's just a lot of big moments on this one. And everything kind of felt yeah. special. So I go an eight for Raw. Doug, take us home. Okay. Uh, the Bischoff Sting segment really saved Nitro, I think. I mean, and I'm not because Wall Street and Riggs had a bad ending. Uh, you know, the tag match was good, but it wasn't long enough. And Flair and Six lasted all uh, lasted all of 15 seconds. I pee longer than that. Uh so the ending segment really saved the show, but on Raw you had so many moments, and you know, a lot of things that really helped define that era. So I would give the Nitro a, a six. I would give the Raw an eight and a half, and I would say that even though it didn't reflect so in the ratings, Raw won the week. Raw won the week for sure. I agree. Eric seems to agree. Boys, this was fun. We will be back for the next War Drums. Does anyone have anything else before I close? Uh, nope. 
I'll see you tomorrow yeah. night. I mean, see you tomorrow, guys. I'm yeah. excited. We'll and get we'll, a good uh, session. Yeah, we'll figure out uh, what time we're going to do it, and then we'll do it. And, yeah. And, and then it'll be done. <laughs> All yeah. right, guys. We'll see everyone next week. Uh, love you. Love you. Bye, guys. Bye, Karen. Bye, Bye. Bye. Bye.